episode 3 of the Apocalypse Podcast, where everybody's talking about a pig called Bebop that we're eating piece by piece until there's no more Bebop left to eat. I am James Bellardi, and as always, I'm joined by Chief Taste Tester Sam. What up, Sam? What up, James? Every week we start with the same question, and I'm going to start with it again. Can you describe the interior of our freezer right now? Right now, there is about 80 kilograms remaining of Bebop in the freezer, which means that there is space for other things. There's space for things like prawns and freezing leftovers. We started with about 100 kilos, so we're 20 kilos down. I reckon about that. Yeah. Is that how you're feeling right now? So you're feeling... It's quite a lot of pork. No, what I'm thinking is, if you think about the NHS recommended daily intake of Which meat... Which I prefer not to do. Around 70 grams, that still means there's about 110 to 115 individual portions of Bebop left. Well, aren't we lucky that lockdown is starting to lift and we can share a bit more of Bebop around. Which is a feature of this episode, but we'll get onto that later. I was thinking the other day about how much I miss the taste of chicken. You miss chicken? Or just like other protein in general. Yeah, I don't miss chicken. I think I miss beef and I miss lamb. Other meats, other protein. Yeah, we've still been eating fish, haven't we? We just, we really haven't been eating any other meat. But I still don't feel I'm bored of pork yet. I don't know if you feel bored of pork. No, I don't think I am actually. I think that it is continuing to surprise me with its versatility. All right. I'm glad to hear that. What cut are we eating in this week's episode? This week we are talking about the chops, otherwise known as... Well, it's part of the loin. So basically when we started doing this podcast, the format that I came up with, which is broken down by episode three, not, not, not a great <laughs> <plan>. <laughs> was that we were going to do one section of pork per episode, or one cut, if you like. And we got to the loin. We'd eaten a lot of loin. But if you look at the loin on a pig, on a whole pig, it's basically about 30 kilos of meat, which is a lot. Yeah, um, you didn't want to wait till we'd eaten 30 kilos of loin to do an episode about the loin. Well, think of how many recipes we'd have to go through. It would be like a bumper to our episode. And each bit is quite different, isn't it? That we've had the butcher cut it up in different ways, haven't we? Yes. So what butchers tend to do with the loin is they, they divide it into three sections. You've got the front third, which is usually used for chops, the middle third, which is usually used as like a roasting joint, and the back third, at least in the UK, they tend to use that for back bacon oh, okay. rather than streaky bacon, which is belly. So our chops are the front loin? They are the front section of the loin. And when we spoke to our butcher, Katie, we asked her to do it into chops. So we're going classic this week. Yeah, everyone knows about pork chops, right? Indeed. Now, before we get into this, don't forget, if you have any thoughts on pork or just like to share some recipes with us, then you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching for the Apocalypse Podcast or by going to apocalypsepodcast.com. Now, cast your mind back to the 5th of May, 2020. We were like five, six weeks into lockdown. And Bebop arrived. He did. In about five <laughs> separate boxes. He didn't all fit in the freezer, so we had to think fast about what to eat first. And we chose the pork chop. Sam, did you have any reservations about our first bit of pork being the chop? Well, I have to admit that I did. I really hope my mum and dad are not listening to this, because 
I'm about to criticise their cooking in the late 80s, early 90s. Dangerous. I don't know if everyone has this kind of memory of pork chops from that time, that they're really piddly, tiny little things. Maybe there was a lot in the press about some of the bugs that you could get from undercooked meat around that time as well. Quite a lot of food was cooked within an inch of its life. And pork chops in the Dodd household were not an exception sorry mum and i think that's where my real reticence about eating pork comes from i just had not fab memories so when you said we had 10 pork chops amongst everything i was nervous when we got these pork chops though they weren't just regular supermarket pork chops were they i mean they were huge no they were literally the biggest pork chop i've ever seen in my life and there's this massive massive almost like an inch layer of fat around the edge which is definitely more than i've seen in a sort of a regular supermarket pork shop. yeah and isn't there a beef cut that's called like the tomahawk that like looks like you can hold like just hold it in your hand that's yeah. what the pork chops look like they were giant yeah i think it's a completely separate part of the cow but it had that look it's sort of like a tennis racket yeah <laughs> <laughs> i weighed them they're about 450 grams each that's like two packs of butter. Oh, probably that many calories and that much fat as well, right? Or 121p coins. Oh. Um, if you're listening to this in America, that is actually four sticks of butter because for some reason they're sold in half the size that we buy ours. Or 100 nickels. Niche references. Thanks very much. I'm trying to sort of branch out for our international listeners. Do we have international listeners? According to the stats we do, it's from... Oh! Yeah, yeah. Let's talk science. Okay. The loin... It's the muscle running from the back of the shoulder to the front of the leg. And it stretches from the spine to the ribs. So if you imagine from the back of your shoulder to the top of your hip, that's where it would be on a human. Okay. Latin names. The bit, the eye of the meat, which is what they call the big bit in a, in a chop. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. That is the longissimus dorsi. But you've also got in there the longissimus costarum and the multifidus dorsi, which is sort of the thin piddly bits that come at the end of the handle of the tennis racket. Oh, so they're like the bits that are alongside the bone? Yes. So I should point out that we had bone-in chops, because you can buy them bone out, but like, why would you? Why would you do that? Why would, you, why would anyone do that? What's kind of interesting, I think, about the chops is there's very distinct layers of fat and meat it's not sort of marbled like other cuts of pork can be yeah, true. so you can actually make it really lean if you want on our chops 20% fat 80% meat something like that I personally feel that fat equals flavour so I went straight in all the fat really crisped it rendered it down yeah I don't think that that's exclusively your opinion a lot of the best butchers and restaurants know that fat equals flavour right yeah so maybe some of those pork chops that I was having in the 80s and 90s didn't have that much fat on them because there was a bit, maybe everyone was trying to have quite lean meat, but it just meant that the meat got really dried out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think because of those distinct layers of fat, that's why you can cook it quite quickly. It's sort of 10 to 20 minutes for most recipes uh, because you don't want to dry it out. You want to get the, the fat rendered down into the meat so the flavour is there. As I mentioned, if you go to apocalypsepodcast.com, you can find all the recipes from this episode. Normally what we do in this long-running three-episode podcast <laughs> is to look up loads and loads and loads of recipes before we start cooking. But you know what? I know where I'm at with a pork chop. I wanted to see what Bebop tasted like. Raw is not the 
word. Uh, naked is not the right word. But I just wanted to know what the pork tasted like before slathering it in char suey and all these other wonderful recipes that we Yes, did. it was our very first taste of bebop. So recipe number one, just a bit of butter, salt, pepper, seared in a pan, and then in the oven for eight to ten minutes. That was two chops down. Next lot of chops. There's a guy called Francis Malman, who who is a Argentine chef, and he specialises in fire and giving everything a kind of a burnt taste. We first found out about him from uh, the Netflix series Chef's Table. He's a bit of a dick, actually. He kind of shirks his family duties for his love of cooking. But for that reason... He's your hero. He's kind of my hero. He's <laughs> inspirational and aspirational, and how I hope to be in, in the future. I bought his book, Seven Fires, and I've been cooking all sorts of... Ahem. Oh, you bought the book. Yes, yeah. yes, I bought you the book. Was his birthday Christmas? It was a birthday present. It's good, and, and I, 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 I value it every single day. <laughs> I'm, glad, oh, I'm glad that my present has been a success, but what a shame that you don't remember that I actually bought it. Well, it's clearly had a big impression on me. And I found a recipe in there, which is a kind of variant on salt and bocca, which is, what's that, veal? Usually veal? Yeah. Uh, which you wrap in parma ham with a bit of sage and then fry it off. And his is called Biffa de Chancho. Biffa, I thought meant beef, but no, apparently that means steak and chancho being pork. Ah. And then the other recipe we did, we just fancied a katsu curry. Yeah, oh, Just yes. fancied a katsu. So, you know, you pound it out, you cut it into strips, flour it, egg it, crumb it. I thought it was best to oven cook that version, largely because I'm trying to stave off diabetes, not for flavour purposes. When I write this on the website, I may say fry, I don't know. Now, both of the last two recipes had loads and loads of leftover fat because I didn't want big chunks of fat covered in breadcrumbs and things. Even though we, about five seconds ago, mocked people who took the fat off of their pork chop. Well, we took it off, but <laughs> we didn't let it go to waste. So with the bifo de chancho, rendered it down in the pan, cooked the bifo de chancho in there. And once that was done, we had only some boiled potatoes with it. So I put those in the pan with the fat, crushed them slightly with a, with a potato masher, and then just let them crisp up in the pan absorbing all those delicious porky juices no waste in this household hell no and then in the katsu i just added it to the sauce man i just let it like let it melt into the sauce giving it extra porky rich sauce it was a particularly good sauce this time i felt and actually i went quite simple with it like i've tried all these different variations on katsu before trying to replicate the majesty of the katsu curries that we've had in japan never quite got there but I really enjoyed this one. It was just extra. It's a little creamier almost. Mm, yeah, I think the sauce was a bit thicker. It was good. So, if you've been counting, I know I have. That brings us to what? That's four chops because we had two plain chops and then we we shared out the other two chops for the katsu and the bifidi chanchu. What happened to the other six chops, Sam? Well, we gave them away, James. <laughs> <laughs> Why would we do that? Well, I am questioning that a little bit now. The the chops that we've had have been so good, but it's not like we don't have any other pork in the freezer. So, before we give our reviews of how the pork chops went, would you like to hear everyone else's reviews? Yep. Um. So we should have reviews from our friends Cat and Neil, who we gave two chops to. Mm-hmm. We should also have a review from Evil Matt. Evil Matt has got one chop, and yeah. um, Dino has got one chop. Yeah, and um, we also gave two chops to our neighbour Andy. Yes, um, 
he lives just above us in our flat and it was a way of kind of pre-apologising in advance. We're breaking the ice as well. I think. Yeah, it was yeah. At the, I think it was at the NHS clap yeah, you're like for the carers. Every week you go but also, clap. like, we're going to be doing a lot of things on the barbecue. So it was a way of saying, sorry. We're reeking out your flat with pork. Have some free pork. Um, we haven't got a review from We haven't though. got a review from Andy, but I did speak to him about it and he said it was delightful. He did it in a pan with some butter, salt and pepper, much like us, and loved it. He said he absolutely loved it. He said they were massive. Yes. That was, that was his main kind of takeaway, was, was was about volume. Andy's a volume guy. Seems like an accurate review. <laughs> okay, I think I will start with Evil Matt's review. Do you want to hear what Evil Matt says? Yeah, let's hear it. Ah, oh, so tasty, so succulent. It was juicy and salty and appley and, oh my God, the best pork I've ever eaten. Thank you, Peabop. I think he liked it. That was brilliant. I love that he thanked the pig, not us. I mean, we gave him the chop, but, you know. Do you want to know what Cat had to say? Yep. Ah, Bebop. What a tasty pig. It's not rocket science that higher quality meat should taste better. But once in a while you eat meat that's so tasty that you wonder if you should change where and how you buy your meat. That's what eating Bebop was like for me. I like it. Sort of reserved but passionate. Oh, I think she's exactly right as well. That is how I think we both feel mm. now that we've been eating organic pork. Mm. I mean, they like the chops. There's no question about it. I love how everyone really is um, relating to Bebop himself. They're like using his name in their reviews. Absolutely. It's really personal. Yeah, the spirit of Bebop runs through them. <laughs> here's, what, here's what Neil had to say. I've never seen a pork chop so big or tasted one that good. I was going to compare it to what you can buy in a supermarket, but I just can't. Short but sweet. Short but sweet. And then finally, we have Dino. Now, we asked everyone to send us around 20 seconds of, of audio. Oh, what has Dino done? D- Dino's like well over a minute. <laughs> okay. And it comes in three parts, but I'll try and stitch it together in the edit so like no one notices at home. Okay. Here we go. First of all, I'm not a pork guy. I like sausages, bacon, cured meats, prosciutto... But I wouldn't really order pork on the menu or buy pork chops, say, for example. So I don't really cook pork that often. So how does a non-pork chop guy cook a pork chop? Well, I decided to barbecue Bebop. Yeah, that's right. I put him on a flame. So yeah, I barbecued Bebop. I stuck some sage on there, some olive oil. Simple. I thought, yeah, why not? And how did he taste? Well, I'd say in one word, delicious. I was amazed. I like to say most of the time 75% is in the cooking, but this time 75% was in the meat for sure. Honestly, I was stunned. It was like a steak. Like, you know, the fat and the way that the the succulence of the meat. I was really, really surprised. So I just want to say thanks. I want to say thanks to Bebop. Thanks for restoring my faith in the pork chop. Strong words. I couldn't have said it better myself. I feel exactly the same. Wow, I did not know that all of our friends were such professional food reviewers. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you are going to have to say it better yourself because this is the point where you and I have to review it. I, how can I after we've had such amazing reviews from our friends? Well, There's nothing left to say. Well, let's break it down. How did they look when they came out of the pan, these chops? They looked giant. Yeah, giant, golden, deliciously crisp, fatty. I think I'd already asked you like 10 times if we could share one between us. Mm. But you said no. <laughs> no. 
Well, we did when we got to the Saltenbocker Bifidi Chancho thing, and then with the katsu. Yeah, but that's because they were coming with lots of sides. We pretty much just ate one pork chop each when we first had yeah. it. It was like a week's worth of meat. There was no, no need to have any sides with that first pork chop. But it wasn't about need. Faff is one of our other sort of judging criteria. I mean, I think it's pretty low faff. It's a pork chop, crying out loud. Well, I was thinking the butcher's done all the hard work for you with the pork chop, haven't yeah, they? They've yeah. got the fat and the bone um, and the meat and everything kind of together in a place, so you don't need to do very much more to it. Yeah, I mean, there's the flouring and the egging and the crumbing, but I feel that that's like our own... We took that cost on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Taste. How did it taste? Well, at the risk of repeating all of those amazing reviews that we've already had, as it was for us, the first bit of Bebop that we had, it did feel like it was the best pork I'd ever eaten. I thought it was great. I mean, it's really flavourful. And as you talk about some of those 1980s pork chops, sort of flavourless, dry... This was an absolute world away. Yeah, they were really stringy, and this wasn't. It was. I was surprised how moist it was. Mm. Um, I agree with Dino that because the fat does really render into the meat, it felt like you were eating a really good bit of beef steak as opposed to pork. It was luxury. It was like a luxury piece of meat. Rich. Usefulness in leftovers slash versatility. See, we, we can't really do this one because we just ate it all straight away. Yeah, with all three of the recipes, there was no leftovers. I guess you could use it in a sandwich or something, but I don't know why you would have leftovers. Like, well, I think actually, versatility-wise, um, the fact that we were able to make a Italian dish mm-hmm. with it, Italian slash Argentine, mm. um, that we were able to have them plain, kind of classic, and we were also able to use the meat and use the fat in a Japanese dish shows that um, it's a really versatile cut as well as a really versatile meat. Okay, we've got to do marks out of 10 for each three methods. First up, plain, plain old chop. 9 out of 10. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, you don't mess with success really, which is kind of my message from that. You just let the meat speak for itself. Yeah, and I think the only issue for me was that it was just so giant, um, I would have preferred to have and it's not often I say this, mm. less food. <laughs> You're thinking there's too much of a good thing. Yeah, I think it was too big, so it was a bit overwhelming looking at the size of it and having to eat all of that. I mean, I did. Don't worry, listeners. For me, in my giant gut, like, I felt it was about the right amount. <laughs> did you? Well, I'm, I'm still giving it 9 out of 10. I think you are bang on. The Biffy de Chancho, I mean, I thought it was delicious. Is it an improvement on the plain chop? I don't know. Look, we've had saltimbocca yes. before in restaurants. We've never made it at home. And I think that sage and pork is a classic combo. Mm. Did great a little bit that you had to go and buy some prosciutto. So you had to go and buy a different pork product. Oh, you're letting all the secrets out now. To no, go with yeah. Basically, I did consider making my own cured ham, but... First of all, I, you know, we do not have the slicing technology here to be able to cut that thin. And secondly, it would require, you know, weeks, if not months of steady temperature regulation to cure our ham in a cupboard here. Yeah, or you could just pop to the supermarket. Or we just pop to the supermarket. So we did the latter. Basically, what you're doing there is you're getting meat and you're flavouring it by adding more meat, which I always think could never be a bad thing. And I don't think it was a bad thing, but in some ways... Just the kind of the pureness of the plain chop was 
so delicious. It's kind of it's adding, it's adding, you know, sprinkles to an ice cream. It's like, well, really, you're in it for the ice cream, aren't you? Which is so interesting because so much of you know the episodes we've done already and the plans we have for the rest of the pork really mean us changing it quite a lot. That we're doing mm. quite a lot to it to elevate it. Whereas in this case, the pork chop at its most basic was the best. And then the katsu curry, using the chop as a vehicle, essentially, for the curry sauce. That was my idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that? How did, how did that go for you? I felt very smug that my idea was such a great one. Mm. And I love katsu. We normally have to make ourselves a chicken katsu, so having a pork katsu was really nice. And yeah. the meat stayed really moist, even though it had been kind of floured and crumbed in panko and baked in the oven. Mm. So, scores-wise, then, you know what? I'm going to go for the Biffity Chancho. probably going to go for an 8. And then the Katsu, maybe an 8. Maybe a 7.5. It's hard to tell. Ask me again tomorrow. I'll tell you something different. But the winner for me was the plain chop. Yeah, I agree. What I would say is that using the fat, the extra fat, in the way that we did, either using it to thicken the Katsu sauce or to kind of sear off those potatoes and crisp those up, wonderful. Like brilliant do that if you have spare fat lying at home yeah agreed so i reckon eight out of ten for the saltimbocca or rather biffa de chancho eight out of ten for the katsu and nine out of ten for the plain pork chop would you buy this cut from a butcher well that depends does the butcher have as good meat as bebop i think let's say it's you know it it, it may not be our wonder pig but just a a regular you know well raised grass-fed organic pig a chop can be a wonderful thing and you know cast aside your deepest darkest nightmares of 80s stringy dry pork chops and open your mind to the wonder that can be a 21st century pasture fed fat little pig turned into chops <laughs> would you recommend to a friend we already did you already heard from them they loved it <laughs> yeah well no we didn't recommend it we kind of forced it on them and then press gang them to make reviews to fill out our otherwise potentially too short podcast and that brings us to the end of episode three don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to make sure you don't miss an episode of the apocalypse podcast and of course you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram by searching for the apocalypse podcast or get in touch find recipes and more episodes at apocalypsepodcast.com join us next time where once again we'll be getting piggy with it feasting on even more bebop your listening pleasure